Welcome to Season 7 of Beyond the Jargon, a conversation with grad students about their research journey here at the University of Victoria from CFUV 101.9 FM. This episode was created on the traditional territory of the Songhees, Eskimos, and West Sandwich peoples, whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. I am your host, Taiwo Afolabi. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Jargon. Uh, today I'm in the studio with Abby, Abby Batiz Vich Nichols. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> uh, it's been a lot of rehearsal trying to get that name. Happy I did. Um, um, Abby is a, um, a grad student here at the University of Victoria. And um, it's good to have you, Abby. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Do you just want to um, introduce yourself to our listeners out there? Yeah, so I am Albie Bertisovich Nichols. I am a grad student in economics, um, and I've also been involved in human rights activism throughout a number of years, so I describe myself as a human rights activist as well. Um, and I also like to point out that I am also autistic and agender because autistic and genderqueer people are certainly not well represented in the field of academic econo economics. So I like to make it known that I am one. Uh, thank you so much, Abby. So what's your research about here at the University of Victoria? Yeah, so I am, uh, well, I'm writing a book, actually. Um, the book is not going to be submitted for my thesis. I'm only going to submit part of it for my thesis. Um, but my book is titled The Economics of the Matriarchy. Um, I don't have any more than that for a title. Um, and uh, so what I'm researching is economic systems and how um, gender norms and social hierarchies influence the way that economies are designed. Uh, because the economics literature alludes to the phenomenon of matriarchal and egalitarian societies producing more efficient and just economies than societies which hold patriarchal or elitist values. Um, <clears throat> but there's nowhere in the economics literature, at least that I've found, that actually explicitly points out this phenomenon or, ev or even starts to analyze um, how the extent of this, um, you know, whether this is uh, something that happens all the time, which I, you know, I try not to say that anything uh, happens all the time because, well, that's just bad science. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm writing a book and it is going to be, as far as I know, uh, the first ever analysis of how gender norms and social hierarchies influence the efficiency of economies. Wow. <laughs> okay, so what what why are you interested in really in in this kind of research? Mhm. Mm so, uh the way that I grew up has a lot to do with my career and why I'm pursuing economics. So, when I was about 9 years old, my mother effectively abandoned us, um, and my father was very abusive. Um, but uh, my parents were very good at keeping up appearances. So 
it I, I think that a lot of people in our lives knew that there was something going on, but no one knew that it was abusive um, and that my parents were not taking care of us. So when I was nine years old, my mother, she um, she was just dealing with too many of her own mental illness uh, issues. And I, I don't fault her for that at all. Um, but she she dissociated so much. Um, and when I was nine years old, she was practically in a permanent dissociation state um, at the times that she was at home. And so uh, that meant that me being the oldest had to figure out how to take care of myself and my four siblings, as well as protect us from our abusive father. Um, and so being in that situation, I had to learn really quickly how the world works. And I, I learned that, um, that they, that there are certain structures in place that, contributed to my being in that situation. For example, the child services political structures. Um, I remember uh, as a young kid being so scared that someone would find out about what was going on at home and that we'd be put into foster care and that I'd be separated from my siblings. And so I did everything that I could to make sure that no one found out what was going on. Um, And it's It's things like that that I learned really quickly that economic policies contributed to that situation. Uh, Obviously not uh, all of it. Like There are other factors that contributed to my situation. But economic policies did play a very big role. And and so that kind of inspired my passion to change those structures to make sure that I'm... I can do whatever I can to to make sure that a situation like mine could be more easily prevented in the future. Um, And so that's what inspired me to get into economics. Um, And when I got into economics, I realized that it wasn't just economic policies which were contributing to injustice, uh, but it was actually the very assumptions and models which dominate the field of economics that have contributed to these injustices and situations like mine that should have easily been prevented. And so I started to look into what's being done to change the field of economics to make it more realistic to the world it tries to explain. Um, And I found a student-led movement. Uh, It's based out of the UK, but it's, it's grown internationally over the years. Um, and it's it's called Rethinking Economics, um, and it's a student movement that is really trying to change the way that economics is taught throughout the world so that, um, you know, university courses can teach an economics that is actually realistic to the world and to experiences like mine, um, and that actually teaches its students how to solve these problems. And so... That's how I I really got into the research that I'm doing because, to me, um, looking at economic systems rather than specific aspects of economies. So to give a background, the way that the economic field works is when you're an economist, you usually have a specific subfield of economics that you specialize in. So you're either a macroeconomist 
or a, a microeconomist or a labor economist. I describe myself as, I, I guess, a systems economist because I, I don't look at the the aspects of economies. I look at how the economies function as, as a whole system. Hmm. Um, and I haven't met many other economists that do this. And I think that is also another failure of the economics field, um, that economists don't tend to look at economies as systems, but as a bunch of individual aspects. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so that's how I got into economic systems research. Mm. It, it's kind of interesting <laughs> that your background, um, your personal experience uh, is a more, you know, uh, is really um, a, a motivation to what's thinking and, and really rethinking economic systems. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you do this research? Yeah, like my methodology? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I start with my own experiences. You know, I, I uh, identify a failure in our political systems uh, and our, you know, social structures that, um, that I have personally been affected by. Um, and I start there and I, I start thinking, you know, are there any other people with experiences like mine? Um, I look for other people with experiences like mine. Um, I look at how those structures came to be. Um, so yeah, my, my methodology is a lot of, um, a lot of looking at my own experiences, um, talking to other people who have similar experiences, learning from the people who disagree with me, the people who agree with me. Um, and so I place a lot of importance on uh, lived experiences. Um, and uh, of course, you know, I, I supplement that with, uh, with academic research and um, yeah. Interesting. So um, it seems your methodology is to what the qualitative versus the quantitative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really rare in economics. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you do a lot of storytelling. You gather stories together. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how do you translate or, translate that into economic data? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's something that's really tricky, and uh, it's it from everyone I've talked to that seems to be something that is tricky for any economist, um, because yeah, it is very hard to translate lived experiences into quantitative data. Um, but for instance, uh, you could translate, uh, uh, for example, my experience um, <clears throat> with the failings of the foster system. Uh, you know, you could you could make an argument that if the foster system was better funded um, and we uh, and we valued it more, then maybe the foster system could have intervened in my situation and I could have, me and my siblings could have been raised by a family that uh, could have afforded us the, um, the opportunities that we didn't get, such as, uh, you know, having, having a family that has been through the university system. Uh, it's, you know, that's, that's something that is very difficult for, for people who didn't grow up with a family that has been through the university system because, well, university is such a different life than than the real world, and 
And it's really hard to to get to learn those nuances if you don't have someone who's already been through it themselves. Um, so yeah, if you if you look at um, my own experience, um, and if you make the argument that you know if if the foster system was funded by X percent more than maybe I could have made X percent more income over my lifetime. Um, models like that are not uncommon in economics. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How do you think your own way of rethinking economic system would potentially change how we look at some of these things? Um, that is a good question. Uh, well, I hope that, I mean, just by changing the way that I talk about economics uh, will help the people around me change the way that they talk about economics. For example, um, something that is uh, said a lot in economics is the term developing countries, and that refers to countries that are not industrialized. Um, and I, I have a problem with the term developing countries because countries that are developing, air quotes, um, <clears throat> they they would have developed if they were left alone. And so what I do is I call them recovering countries because they're recovering from colonialism and they're trying to develop despite colonialism. And so it's it's things like that. Like I I really hope that changing the way that I talk about economics will influence the economists around me to start to question the norms in the economics field. Did that answer your question? Yes, yes, you do. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting that you're providing uh, a new way of thinking and and understanding some of those, you know, concepts. Uh, and, and I mean, I, I share the same sentiment with you when it comes to the world developing and developed and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. It's been so much about economics and money and, yeah. and, and capitalism and, and all of those things. So really really providing an avenue to rethink how we use those words or what those words mean. Absolutely. It, I think it, it's really important. And, and that kind of brings me to my next question. Now, mm-hmm. when you were talking about the summary of your research, um, you <coughs> said, and I'm going to read this out, said, um, yeah. your research focuses on economic systems and how social norms yeah. and hierarchy hierarchies influence the way an economy is designed and how that affects those who live in that economy. Now, you were talking about economy and and matriarchy. And and I I think I just want to dwell more on that in the context of social norms and and how the economic systems are built. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hmm, let's see. How do I start? So, to give a bit of background a matriarchal society it's not the opposite of a patriarchal society um the so this this comes from anthropologists who study this um uh, my work is very reliant on interdisciplinary work and so i i use research from anthropology and sociology a lot um and so in anthropology um they, the research uh, shows that matriarchal societies just refers to societies that are organized more egalitarian, uh, you know, where gender does not, uh, does not lead to these differences in how people are treated. Uh, so a matriarchal society does not mean that, you know, women rule everything the way that 
uh, men rule everything in our society. It, it means that it's a society where gender is does not cause differences in the way people are treated. Um, and so... So, so um, how are you thinking around economics and, and matriarchy? Oh, yeah. An economic system and matriarchy. I, yeah. I find it really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I just want to kind of, you know, dwell more on that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's the thing is there's not a lot of research into how these social structures influence the way economies are developed. Um, because, well, I mean, think of our own social structure. You know, it's it's very patriarchal. Our government is mostly men at most levels. Um, I think the city of Victoria... Oh, no, I think even the city of Victoria is still mostly male counselors. Um, So, yeah, it's very patriarchal. Um, Men are uh, more privileged than uh, women um, and any any other gender. Um, And, I mean, just think of the way that our economy is is run now. I, I mean, I'm I'm... I'm sure anyone listening can think of some way in which our economic system has failed them. Uh, you know, it, there's so many inefficiencies. Add on question is, so how are you using the thinking around economic system and met- metriarchy to analyze the economic structure and system that we have? Or are there ways that we can think around them to, yeah. to help us, you know, have a more equitable society. Yeah, I think it really starts with putting the economy into the context of who has the power. Um, Because, yeah, we talk, I mean, you hear all the time people complaining about the state of the economy and, oh, the economy, the state of the economy is so bad right now and not in this economy. But who designed the economy? Like, you know, who, who was put in charge of the economy being in such a bad state. Um, and so I, I think it really starts with, we have to put the economy into the context of who has the power over it. Because in, in the field of economics, the economy uh, as an entity is treated as this self-contained, self-regulating system um, that we don't have control over and that you know it's, it's subject to the law of demand and supply which is ridiculous because demand and supply is determined by human behavior and humans right. don't follow laws. <laughs> That's right. Interesting. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it really starts with looking at the economy as something that humans control and something that humans decide based on our behavior and our decisions. So, so economy or the economy <laughs> yeah. is not a robot. Exactly. It's something yeah. that we control as human beings. Exactly. And, and, and mm-hmm. all of that. Well, I- interesting. Um, bringing it to the context of Victoria, I think mm-hmm. that's very important. And what just what I'm just thinking about is the whole, you know, the whole, you know, the housing issues that we have yeah. in Victoria, homelessness, and all of that. I wonder if there is a, a, a thinking that you could, you know, in your own analysis that can help us help us in, in in looking into this into this issue, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and actually, I am uh, leading. I guess I am leading. <laughs> so I'm part of the Green New Deal efforts here in Victoria, mm-hmm. um, and something that we're doing is actually putting together a Green New Deal for Victoria, and a, the underlying uh, thing with that is actually redesigning our economic system. And so 
I'm putting together meetings with city councilors and advocacy groups around Victoria to actually redesign our economy, to look at uh, those places where the economic policies have failed marginalized people and to you know, look at how those structures came to be and whether we can change them. And if we can, then we're gonna. Um, change them. Change them, yeah, yeah. So, so what would what would they on really? If we want to think about this from from your own way of thinking around economic system, what would be the new? What would be the new system? No, in, on that, on the, uh, in terms of homelessness, for example, oh, yeah, yeah. and housing crisis that we have right now, <laughs> what would that look like? Well, I mean, there's so much research that shows that the most efficient way to eliminate homelessness is to give people homes because well, <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're homeless. They don't have homes. Um, but like, it's so much cheaper uh, to just pay for homes for people who don't have them and to pay for like rehabilitation programs um, for those who are, suffer from traumas and have turned to substance abuse. Um, <clears throat> and so that's something that we could do to redesign our economy is to value homes and mm. giving people homes because having a place to live is just a basic human right. Yeah. Um, and how can our society be efficient if someone doesn't have a place to live? Wow. So um, um, you're not just thinking around economic systems alone. You're actually going out there to to really do something practical. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, what's the point of research if you don't apply it, you know? Interesting. Uh, uh, this economic deal, and again, I don't want you to go so much into it if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, but I just find it really fascinating because when we're talking about economic system and, and, and we're going out there to... Um, really engage with policymakers, mm-hmm. and how do you think that your way of thinking around the economic system would influence how you engage with policymakers? Well, I I hope that so my way of thinking is that I I really want to change the way that economics places values on things. So right now the field of economics is very much tending towards valuing money and profits and you know these neoliberal policies. Um, but I, I really hope that my way of thinking will, you know, encourage others to question those values and priorities in our economy. Um, because it, it really does come down to what we value. You know, if, if, if the majority of people and the majority of politicians value profits, they're going to give tax breaks to corporations. If we value um, a strong mental health system and we value... Uh, you know, being healthy, then we're going to put more money into mental health care and just health care in general. Uh, so it, it really is about changing the way that we value things, uh, changing our perspectives. And I think just being someone who is talking about that and normalizing that will at least serve as the basis of of changing that dynamic mm. in economics. Interesting. Uh, I know. I, I don't want you to, you know, give, you know, give us a spoiler of your book. Uh, but yep. I, but like you said, uh, a part of your research um, that you're going to be presenting here at the University of Victoria is going to be out of that book. Yeah. 
But I wonder if you can actually just uh, give us a snip into the core. What's core about the economics of the matriarchy? Yeah, so the economics of matriarchal societies, uh, from what I've found so far, is matriarchal societies tend to not see the economy as something separate, but just as something that's embedded in society. Um, and so in that sense, uh, you know, matriarchal economies tend not to see money in the same way we do. Um, they're not necessarily capitalistic. Um, and if they are, then it's, it's, you know, done in a way that is egalitarian. Um, <clears throat> but, but yeah, matriarchal societies, um, they tend to really place value on the human experience and, um, and a comfortable life and, and strong relations with each other and not just with each other, but with the land, uh, matriarchal societies tend to value the land very much, um, and take care of it. Well, I know that you said the uh, part of your work is, is really looking into anthropology and all of that. Uh, and, and it's really shows to me, you know, how interdisciplinary, you know, how, you, how, how interdisciplinary your work is. Mm -hmm. uh, are there ways that you're engaging with indigenous knowledge in your work? Oh, yes. That is something that I really want to to get into this book um obviously doing it respectfully you know i I'm, I'm white and i i don't want to like appropriate knowledge or anything um but uh so i do want to um analyze the way that indigenous economies have uh have been designed throughout history but more importantly i i really want i would love to see more indigenous economists um and really i really think that's missing from economics is that perspective um and so as much as i want to include that perspective in my book so that it's out there i would rather encourage um someone who has that lived experience to you know write their own um mm. write their own pieces yeah um mm. but but yeah, I I do hope that I can um, I can be trustworthy of of that knowledge of indigenous uh, economics, um, and obviously if you know if I'm not, then I won't include that. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, coming back to to your work here at at UVic, how does that play out within the university system? Um, what do you mean? So um, looking at economic systems, but within the university system. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Because there is, there is a connection. There is a relationship. There is, right? definitely. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess I can answer this um, by kind of talking about how universities have um, a, an institution of industrialized society have really excluded... Uh, those who do not come from privileged backgrounds. So like people from poverty, indigenous students, uh, students of color. Um, and I see that as coming from failures in our economic system because our economic system prioritizes the experiences of white men who come from privileged backgrounds. And so obviously our universities are going to do the same if they operate in our economic system. Um, 
But I think that universities really need to be the ones to lead that change because I'm, academia is so influential in our society um, that if if universities are the ones leading that change, if the universities are the ones that are really supporting and encouraging their marginalized students and marginalized communities to send their students um, and not, you know, trying to um, impose these colonial ideas on them, but actually listening to their experiences and learning from and changing the way that the university operates based on those experiences. Uh, I think that is, um, that will be so powerful in changing the way that our economy works uh, so that it can be more just. Wow, interesting. Um, what do you hope to do next? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I once I I've got two years left for my master's uh, in terms of courses, um, and then after that, I hope to go on to PhD work, um, finish my book. Uh, <laughs> Uh, um, interesting. Okay, uh, I love to read your books because <laughs> it's like you're really. I mean, you're really thinking around um, key issues that are, that are very important. Oh, thank you. Um, and and I believe that um, hopefully they can actually give us new ways of thinking about things. I really hope so too. Yeah. Uh, 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 I was going to ask a question. Mm -hmm. um, that have you? I know you was in your paper, which I. I'm privileged to to have you know taking a you know a quick read. Yeah. At, um, I wonder if um, considering the hist a Western history hist uh, history of economies, is there an alternative history looking oh, at it from yes. a different <laughs> a non-Western perspective? Perhaps that might be like yeah. a way to even cut away from you know the you know the the whole definition of economics and it focus from a western perspective yes uh, i have a footnote in my paper where i actually <laughs> i yes, actually made that point yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i figured that's where that came from uh so yeah in my paper that uh that i published in the viper journal um so the dominant story about how economics came to be and where it came from is that it it evolved from the oikonomia uh is the term that was used in ancient greece um, that it just means household management, hmm. um, oikonomia, and that term evolved into the term economics. Um, but yeah, so the dominant story in economics is that the discipline evolved from the uh, from the discipline of oikonomia in ancient Greece. But I cannot believe that that is the only story. There, like there, economics is is as integral to human life as mm. anything else, yeah. and so. There have to be written works from from other cultures, and if not written, then oral history. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's something that I hope that I can explore in my book, um, a different story of how economics came to be. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that's, so yeah. Yeah, because I think that that perspective is not meant to be on the footnote. It should be out there. Oh, absolutely, you know? yeah. And, and, <laughs> and of course, maybe the the way to kind of think about that is really engaging oral traditions. Yes. From different mm -hmm. story, uh, from different cultures, and thinking around how you know, the, I mean, their own way of you know, what what does economy means within their yeah. own context, right? So uh, I just wanted to. To, to kind of uh, throw that out there, um, yeah, uh, I think it's it's um, 
thank you for giving me a lot of things to think about. Um, <laughs> uh, um, it's it's really it's really amazing. I know that there is an. I, I was trying to look for that when you were talking. There is um a whole lot of there's a work that has been done around economics within the pers- from the perspective of the indigenous people. And, and yeah. I can't remember the term now. Indigenous. I, I can't remember the term. Pretty sure it's just indigenous yeah, economics. Indigenous, um, and and I wonder if you know really taking a look at that would mm-hmm. really help in in really. Because I think you're challenging a lot of narrative. You're challenging a lot of perception, um, lot of yeah. perceptions here, perspectives here, rather, mm-hmm. and and around economics and 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 what that what that really means. I so I really thank you for for taking the time to to do this interview and um, wishing you the best in your <laughs> in your books. Um, thank you. <laughs> great ideas and um, and and the remaining two years here at the University of Victoria. So thank you, so thank you so much, uh, Abe. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV 101.9 FM. For interviewees, contact information, or to listen to this episode again, visit cfuvpodcast.com. You can also subscribe, rate, or review Beyond the Jargon and other CFUV podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcasts.